This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I'm your host, PWI senior writer, Al Castle, joined as always by my co-host, Brian Solomon. How's it going? Going great, Al. Hope it's going okay with you too. Yes, a very busy week and uh, we are joined by somebody I've been seeing a lot of over the last 24 hours, Candice Cordelia, PWI contributing writer. How are you? I'm good. I'm exhausted, but okay. <laughs> we're checking <Same>. along. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And of course, uh, a crazy week because uh, it is PWI 500 week. Candace and I were on uh, Busted Open on Sirius XM uh, yesterday, revealing the news of the, the top 10. Um, words out by now, Seth Rollins for the third time, uh, the number one ranked wrestler in the PWI uh, 500. We will uh, break down uh, the 500 more than just kind of counting down. Uh, we'll try to dig a little deeper, talk some uh, analysis of the list. Um, some already notable, I guess, mistakes that, that we've caught. That's always, you know, that those first 24 hours after the, the magazine comes out uh, can be so harrowing because, uh, you know, you get there's always some hate, there's always some love, but but I think the toughest part is those realizations of like, oh no, did we really do that? And 500 entries in a list, uh, it's bound to happen. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about that and give our apologies and all that. Uh, in, in a moment, uh, first, let's get out of the way how you can go ahead and get the PWI 500. Go to pwi-online.com. You can download it right now, be uh, digging through it, uh, the digital edition, all 500 entries. I think there's 16 uh, extra pages in this magazine, you know, more than just a list of names and, and bios, tons of analysis um, from the PWI team. Uh, this is about the biggest project that we do every year. We take it super seriously. And um, I'm, I'm sure you can go online and see all 500 names uh, right now. Uh, but I think you'd be doing yourself a disservice. You really want to dig into our work and um, see how we put this together and see uh, all this analysis. Really dig in. Uh, go to pwi-online.com. Download it right now, and you can um, get a bundle package, or you could be reading the issue right now digitally and also have it mailed, uh, the the, uh, the print copy, uh, have it in your mailbox uh, in a couple weeks. And uh, obviously, you could get the one issue, but it like, makes a lot more sense to subscribe, uh, get lots of savings over the cover price. We're now in kind of ranking season. We're already at work at what is now the women's 250. I feel like every year it grows a little bit. And um, after that, we've got the tag team list, and then we've got the year-end awards. So uh, we're very much in the busy season now. Don't miss an issue. Go to pwi-online.com. Um, so uh, the world's heard from from uh, Candace and I about the 500. Uh, Brian, let's get uh, uh, your take now that the cat is out of the bag. Um, how do you feel about this list? Like, like I talked about, there was a, uh, a lot of debate, more than, than usual. I've been a part of, I think, 17 of these. Uh, now, I don't remember um, ever this hard a time re uh, arriving at number one. Did we get it right? Well, first of all, I want to say something that I, I, I want to really establish because one thing I saw about the top ranked three. So as probably everybody knows now, our top ranked three are 
the three former members of the Shield. So Seth Rollins is one, Roman Reigns is two, John Moxley, aka Dean Ambrose, is three. And I want to just say, I don't know about you guys, but across the board, a, a major thing I've been seeing over and over, understandably, is people going, well, clearly this was a marketing ploy with the idea being we're going to sell this issue based on the fact that the shield is you know is still dominating the business and it's a concept and that's what made them do this and i am here to say i mean i was there i am telling you you don't have to believe me this was a coincidence we really truly did not plan it we did not we were sitting here doing the ranking I think I might have been the first one that noticed. I was going to say, I remember it was pretty late yeah. into the meeting where we had that realization. Yeah, and maybe it was you that brought it up. And I said, yeah. oh my God, the three top guys are the Shield. And at that point, yes, we were super thrilled. We thought it was awesome and really kind of like very fitting. But we absolutely, what I'm trying to say is the tail did not wag the dog. We definitely, it's also not, not that much of a stretch, right? I mean, it's right. not like, you know, they're, they're all absolutely legitimate top three guys. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I also want to say, I mean, I do think that, uh, yes, I understand that there's a lot of people that will probably say it should have been Roman Reigns. And, you know, it's a healthy debate. Uh, we even had that debate ourselves uh, when you're talking about, you know, who's the bigger name in the business, who is the more, uh, you know, who's wrestling more, who's who, who has better competition, all that kind of stuff. But I defy anyone to say that at least the argument cannot be made for Seth Rollins. Of course it can. And I think we made it really convincingly, especially going with our criteria and what we look at. It is absolutely a defensible, a defensible position. And I also think it's taking a stand, which a lot of fans do agree with, with the idea that a world champion should be a fighting champion. It should be somebody front and center making the appearances, like Seth said himself, making the towns, you know, doing the, the the meet and greets, being on the TV shows, doing the house shows. Like, there's an argument to be made for that. Uh, no one is going to say that Seth Rollins is the primary world champion of WWE and that Roman Reigns is the secondary world champion. But in so many metrics, Seth Rollins has earned this spot. That's what yeah. I'll say. Yeah. Candace, I, th I thought it was really interesting yesterday on, on Busted Open. You know, there was a long discussion that I was listening to before we we came on. And um, the, the host, uh, Dave LaGreca, who's awesome. Thanks for having us on. And, and Tommy Dreamer, Billy Ray, call callers all giving, you know, their predictions for number one. I don't think anybody mentioned uh, a Seth Rollins. There were, you know, people thought MJF and Cody and Roman. Uh, obviously, I don't remember anybody bringing up Seth. What, what does that say, you know, that that he kind of flew under the radar here? Yeah, it's quite interesting because to that point, and I remember we were talking about this, you and I, Al, beforehand in terms of the criteria and certain things that we base the list off of that we have for quite some time. And one of those things I keep referring back to is the influence factor. And I think people sometimes forget one that the list it's based on kayfabe two that there is a certain time period that we're looking at and i i assume from my observation that due to what people are seeing on television at the current moment and what they're seeing on social media at the current moment 
can kind of cloud their decision or their opinions about who should be in that top spot. So obviously, you know, if you're looking at someone like Roman Reigns, who even though he didn't, he wasn't in a ton of matches during that time period, his influence was palpable due to the bloodline storyline and due to just his presence and, and the way that things were panning out. And also say, for instance, Cody Rhodes, you know, he was injured for half of the period, but people respond to his promos, they respond to his social media, they respond to his charity work. And then you have, you have Seth Rollins, who's just a workhorse, you know, he's doing all of these shows, he's showing up on the morning shows and doing all of these things with his fashion choices. And he's just, you know, working and on the grind. And it's really fascinating that so many people weren't thinking that perhaps, oh, he would be number one. But then when I checked Twitter, it was cool to see that there were a lot of people that actually loved that choice. I thought it was going to be the opposite and we were going to have a backlash of, oh my God, why didn't you guys pick Roman again? But I saw quite the opposite and a lot of people were loving the fact that Rollins was number one, which I thought was really cool. And a lot of people liked that the Shield were in the top three position as well. And I saw a few folks saying, oh, this is a marketing ploy, but I actually observed the quite opposite. There were a lot of references to the shield memes and even Seth Rollins himself referenced it yesterday, which was it's fantastic. Really cool. yeah. So, you know, I feel as though it's an influence factor. And I don't know if that's due to the current age of social media and, and how much people are looking at what's happening outside of the ring. But I feel like that it's that influence. It's that influence that people I think still look at and feel as though that should be at the front and center of the decision-making that happens for this list. Yeah, I just yeah. want to say, Al, if I could just say quickly on that, I think too, I, and I saw a lot of what you're saying too, I think we benefited also from a little bit of this kind of Roman Reigns fatigue that mm -hmm. I think is going on. Um, and he's great, but I mean, we're seeing this. And I think part of it is there are people who were, I think, going, oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God they didn't make it Roman Reigns. Uh, you know, enough with that guy. Like, okay, yes, he's the head of the table. Okay, could we could we change it up a little? I think that attitude actually helped us a little bit in the reception for Seth Rollins as number one. Yeah, a little bit uh, different than past years where I think it, it's aged pretty well. And that time between the end of the valuation <clears throat> period and now, uh, again, sort of, sort of helped because Roman's been especially inactive since uh, a WrestleMania. WrestleMania and Seth has is, is been out there night after night after night as, as that workhorse champion. Um, so, yeah. And I think it, it's funny because a, a lot of that reaction that we saw in Busted Open and I think we saw on social media where people weren't even really thinking about Seth in the conversation. But then when he is revealed as number one, uh, I, I think a lot of the reaction was like, oh, yeah, that's sort of what our meeting was like, you know, when we decided mm -hmm. on yes, number one, where, yeah. where mm -hmm. Seth came up early yeah. in the conversation and it was like, nah, I can't be Seth. And then we kind of went through everybody and we ended up back at Seth and it was like, yeah, of course. Oh, totally. <laughs> you know? Because it was funny. Like last year, I, if you remember last year, it was all about, is it going to be Roman or Kenny Omega? Right. If I have it right. It was Kenny Omega. No, it, last year it was clearly Roman. The year before that. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. Two yeah. years ago, we were thinking right. Roman Reigns, Kenny Omega. And, and, and it was like sort of this, you know, like half and half. We were split down the middle. And I do think this time, you know, I'm not going to lie for, for people that debate those top couple of spots. There were, I was one of the people who came into it in the debate and the meeting going like, well, I mean, 
it's kind of a foregone conclusion. Roman Reigns is the biggest mm-hmm. star in the business. Uh, you know, we were kind of saying, mm-hmm. well, there's really no debate. Who's it going to be? I know he was last year. But then we started talking and, and you know, I started listening and thinking, especially about the criteria and going by our criteria, which, you know, mm-hmm. it's not as much of a slam dunk, really. It's not. Uh, and it mm-hmm. And it started making more sense to the point where, like I said in the meeting, and I'll say it now, I could completely have seen either one of those guys being number one. But I do think you can make a case for either one of those guys. So I, I that's why I didn't have a problem with it. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a bit about, about the criteria because it's always the the point that people, you know, I, I think we struggle to get people to to understand. Um, I saw the thing, uh, Candace, that, that Cody's uh, yes. sister put out there. Um, and you know, to me, it's almost crazy that people would think, and I love Cody. I think Cody is, is awesome. He's about my favorite thing in in WWE these days. I think he, he checks all the boxes. They got something super special with him. I would have loved to have seen him win the world title at WrestleMania and earn the number one spot uh, on our list, but come on. He, he didn't hold any titles during the evaluation period. He missed the first half of the evaluation period. He lost at WrestleMania. Um, you know, if you can uh, uh, make the case that he doesn't even belong in, in the top 10. I wouldn't make that case. And I think he does. And I, and I think where he, he is, mm-hmm. he is where he should be. But given that he is such a, a, a big name and is, I think we would all agree doing some of the best work in, in all of wrestling. Does it say something about our criteria and, and problems in our criteria that he isn't mm-hmm. ranked higher. And, and another thing that sort of comes up this way is the, you know, I, I was talking about this on another podcast I did um, last night. Uh, Seth Rollins is is no better a wrestler um, than he was last year or the year before that. Seth has been great for a number of years now. Seth hasn't even been in the top 10 for a number of years. And why is that? Because he was a heel and he was losing all the time. And um, that worked against him. So, uh, uh, Candice, I mean, do, do you see problems in our criteria? And is there a way to address them? I don't, I wouldn't say that there are problems with the criteria. I feel, and it has to go into the history of PWI and the criteria that it was decades ago versus now. And for some days I've been thinking, well, as time goes on, should the criteria change? Is that something that needs to be in the conversation? And I don't mean change drastically, but are there certain things that need to be taken into consideration? Because from decade to decade, things change, people change, the industry changes. So should we start looking at things a little bit more in depth, like influence, like promo work, like where is that something that even should be a conversation? And you know, in reference to that, it also brings up the question that Bully posed on Busted Open to me while we were there in terms of like the promotion. Are we, and, and it was a great question. And the way that I answered it when he asked someone like Josh Alexander from Impact, you know, if he fits the criteria, would he be eligible for number one? And I said, absolutely. We don't look at where a person, in terms of the promotion, it's not like we're saying WWE is number one. So anyone from WWE is going to be at the top spot every year. That's that's crazy. <laughs> we can't do that. And also we're looking at things from a worldview. So yes, we're bringing people into the conversation like Sonata and like different people who are coming from different promotions, whether it's WWE, AEW, NJPW, it's about 
fitting the criteria and the work that they're putting in. And that's where we have to really see, okay, if they're fitting the criteria, great. But now it becomes a question of, I think I think it's a great question, a great thing to think about. Should the criteria change in certain ways and what would that look like as we're moving into, you know, 2024 and beyond and, and looking at things like social media influenced promo work, in ring in ring work rate and all of those things, you know. I would love to know your guys' thoughts because you've been with PWI yeah. longer than I have. So. I mean, I, I think the criteria has evolved over the years. I mean, even in my time in the magazine, I, I've seen uh, and been part of changes, you know, things like defining what activity uh, is. And I don't think um, the the influence uh, a part of it was even there years ago. I remember that coming up. And that was some of that was uh, I remember related to John Cena and John Cena being this transcendent wrestling star and feeling that like, well, that's got to count for something right beyond how, you know, wins and, and losses. And, um, you know, Brian, it, it's the, the, the difficult part of trying to take a scientific approach to pro wrestling where so much of it is not even in, this isn't baseball or football where you, you do your best, you, you put on your best year and you're going to be rewarded for it. It's going to show up in the stats. LA Knight, is doing the same act he was doing a few years ago uh, in in the NWA. Uh, Vince McMahon didn't like that act, thought he would be better positioned as a manager, and so he was buried. Mm -hmm. And now Triple H seems to like him, and he, he's getting pushed. Uh, and and you know that affects how many matches you win, where you're slotted in the card, stuff like that. That is really uh, not completely out of your hands, but a lot of it is out of your hands. Mm -hmm. Is going to control, you know. It, it, and that's a difficult thing because by, and, and this is, you know, this always comes up, you know, does that mean that the number 20 wrestler is better than the number 30 wrestler who's better than the number 40 wrestler? And it's, you know, not really, right? So it, it's difficult. I mean, is, is there something that we could be do to, we could be doing to sort of polish this a little bit? Well, I, I, first of all, the list absolutely has changed, like you said, over the years, and there has been adaptation. I did, in this issue, uh, my column, the way it was, looks at the original PWI 500. I may oh, have talked about it. I wanted to have that on me. Yeah, I think it's But there were a couple of things I uncovered because I broke down the top 10 of that list. And what they had, first of all, three of the top 10, three, were both Steiner Brothers and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Now, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat had a terrible 1991. He was like a mid-card, nothing, forgotten act in the WWF. But he made the top 10 because he was one of the best workers in the whole business. He was just, and that's what got him there. And the Steiners made it, even though they had hardly any singles matches, because they were the best tag team. So they just like squeezed them in there. So we wouldn't do things like that today. So does that mean mm -hmm. that there's not more room for change and improvement? No, I think there is. I mean, here's the thing. It become it's challenging sometimes to defend a lot of the criteria in a post kayfabe world of fandom, especially when the people coming at you are people who are on social media and are pretty smartened up as far as wrestling fans go. Um, it becomes hard uh, to say, well, yes, uh, it's all about you know we're looking at it in kayfabe, and of course, then you have people going, well, why, you know? So you have to then answer that question of why, you know, is it written in stone? Was it handed down from? Mount Sinai, you know, there's got to be, uh, you know, there's room, there's always room, I think, for adaptation. Um, there's a competitor I won't mention, but there's another competitor magazine out there 
that does a similar kind of list, except they just they make it the the least controversial, just the safest choices, the most obvious, and it and it creates a lot less contention. And people, you know, it's just sort of like who are the top whatever biggest stars in the business ranked by how big of a star they are. Just and I'm not saying that's a route to go either, but it's certainly. I think there's a time where you got to sometimes ask a question. I'm being very transparent of, you know, the thought of giving readers and fans what what they want instead of sometimes feeling like you're arguing with the readers and fans and telling them why this is better this is better than what they think it should be. You know what I mean? So I, I understand that point of view. Uh, there have even been times where I've floated the idea, <laughs> the 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 controversial idea of maybe, and I know this blows up a lot of it. Maybe there shouldn't be an evaluation period. Maybe it should be we're ranking the top 500 as of right now, as of the moment we're making the list. And maybe that would cause less uh, of people going, well, why is Cody Rhodes number 10? Or why is um, this guy so high? And, you know, and then we have to go, well, because if you look back to what he did in March and April and May, there would be less of that. It's just a thought. I guess what all I'm saying at the end of the day is there's always room for improvement. There's always room for listening. And I don't think anything should be written in stone. And I'm always open to trying to improve it and always make it more representative and make it what, what, you know, fans would enjoy. So the, the, the issue with not having an evaluation list is that, you know, if, if you did a, uh, a 500, Every month they would all look completely different, right? I mean, depending Possibly, on, yes. on um, you know, who is in what storyline at, at any given time. And I think there's something to be said to judging a body of work over um, a year. Now, you could quibble with, yeah. and I think this came up yesterday, about the the year that our evaluation period, that it's halfway from one year to, yeah. to the halfway point of the other year. Um, as I brought up, you know, some of that is to distinguish it from the year-end awards, um, and you know, there, there is going to be some overlap there. Um, otherwise, uh, but but I think these are all good points. The, the one thing that I I do, um, I, I don't know if I say I, I'm I'm troubled by, but I do think it is a a a growing issue to reckon with, as, as you said, uh, Brian, in, in a post-Kayfabe world, is relying so heavy on on wins and losses. Uh, because again, they're they're largely out of the hands of the wrestler, right? I mean, mm -hmm. they're not making that call. Um, and inevitably, it gives babyface a huge advantage, right? So if yeah. you are Seth Rollins doing tremendous right. work over the last several years, and you can't even break into the the, the top 10 for a number of years, or a guy, uh, and maybe this isn't the, the best example, but uh, people in wrestling really value and appreciate what um, uh, uh, the Miz is doing, right? Uh, like yes. for 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 his job, for for what he, his role on the roster, he plays it to perfection. It's never going to be rewarded in the five hundred because the guy wins like a match a year, right? And, so and you have to. How do you address that? You have to take into account sometimes the nature of the business too, right? These are not things that they were thinking about 30 years ago, nor did they have to because no fans were thinking about it, okay? I could tell you I was there. <laughs> Unless yeah. you were like some crazy like mm -hmm. newsletter reader, you know, which were in a tiny minority of people, and those people generally didn't read PWI anyway. Um, people didn't – fans didn't think that way. But so they, so they could approach it like – it's the ring magazine and we're ranking 500 boxers and we're just looking at who mm -hmm. won and who lost. I've talked about 
the heel bias of the 500. One thing I think I've noticed, at least when we have our meetings, maybe I'm wrong, and I'm glad to see it, is that there's less emphasis on house shows. And the reason I say that is because, again, you look at the nature of the business, and especially WWE, that it's a touring attraction, that it's like Ringling Brothers Circus. So they'll go on the road. They'll have the same match in 20, 30 towns, the same show. And so a guy will lose 20 matches in a row. You know what I mean? And it's like, oh, my God, if you're if we're only looking at wins and losses, that guy's dead in the water. Like, look, look at that guy. You may even have a guy who's the he's the intercontinental champion or something, but he's a heel. So he's losing constantly by DQ or count out or whatever. And, well, he's dead in the water. But you're going, yeah, but he's the intercontinental champion. He's heavily featured on TV. So, you know, there are times like that where you do have to ask the questions. And I know, like I said, I'm, I'm glad I, I don't think maybe I'm just deluded that we, we don't seem to be talking as much about those house show tours as, as much as we used to. Yeah. 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 But and they, um, yeah. I, was, I was gonna say they, they mean something. I mean, we're very mm -hmm. often we're there counting up matches and uh, wins and right. losses and, and it goes towards the, the tally. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. I'm not saying yeah. it's perfect. Yes. Uh, uh, Candace, exactly. you know, one, one uh, discussion that came up yesterday busted open that, that again, I think is interesting. Mm -hmm. It it's valid. I think both Tommy mm -hmm. and, and Bub in particular, uh, brought this up is the perspective of the wrestler, right? And mm. some of this often, you know, rubs me the, the the wrong way. The whole notion of you don't know anything because you've never taken a a, a bump in in the ring, and I think oh. that's dismissive, and and I think um, that that's wrong. That said, I think it is a valid point to to say that a a professional wrestler is going to have a different perspective, a different understanding um than than we have uh in as much as you could you know you could look at wrestler x who's getting a huge push but he, i think a wrestler could say look this is a lot of smoke and mirrors he's really not that good um and the flip side somebody who is better mm -hmm. than what they're getting uh, a pro wrestler could recognize say this guy's fantastic uh you know he just needs the opportunity so how how uh, legitimate uh, is that? Is that a perspective that that needs to be part of the five hundred? Oh yeah, I had a long, really great conversation with a friend about just this yesterday in terms of media and bias and impartiality versus partiality. And I'm glad you brought this up because I was going to jump in real quick and and state uh, the fact that I personally would like to see at least one wrestler on the committee. And I know that we asked that question and I, we were like, yeah, we would take it into consideration. I think they would, they would bring valid perspectives and it would be great for the list as a whole. Um, but then I was thinking, and I didn't get to listen to the portion of, of Busted Open that you were listening to before we dropped in, but I heard bits and pieces about what was being discussed. And I thought, you know, that would be, if, if there were to be more wrestlers, for instance, on the committee helping to decide this list, I think we would be wading into dangerous waters because when you think about other, other fields, and it's hard to even differentiate because of what wrestling is versus, say, the NBA, MLB, NFL, et cetera, et cetera, and how things are, are uh, in terms of numbers and stats and lists and all of that stuff and awards that are given, 
Um, it's different when it comes to the media in terms of giving opinion, because say, for instance, in any of those other sports, you would have analysts, for example, that have that were athletes that were in those leagues and are able to give their perspective. So when it comes to wrestling, yes, I understand that it, it would be, in my opinion, beneficial for a wrestler to jump on the committee, but to, um, and I don't know if this was implied on the show, but I was thinking about the fact of when it comes to media and wrestling, it's good to have people who never took a bump. Like I would think it would be disingenuous to have a majority or all people in wrestling media who were wrestlers because- Yeah, that'd be biased in its own way, yeah. Exactly. That's like saying, okay, every media personnel or personality in the NBA would have had to have played in the NBA. It it just, you need to, when it comes to journalism and media, you need to have people on the outside giving their perspective, getting the facts. That's just the ethics of journalism. You need to be able to report the facts, observe, talk to the sources, talk directly with the athletes, and then craft your stories, craft your interviews, et cetera, et cetera. Now, when you're getting into things like lists, it's not a popularity contest. It, we, it, that's not what it is. And I think that's where the disconnect lies. Like I think people, and I'm not saying everyone thinks this way, but I think there are some people that think that we're literally sitting in a room going over this, like it's a popularity contest. And that's not the case. If that were the case, then we wouldn't have criteria. We would just go along with, we probably wouldn't even have an evaluation period. Just like you were stating, Brian, in terms of should we scrap that? It would just be, okay, who do we like this year? What have they done, et cetera, et cetera? What are they doing on social media? All right, let's just slap them on at number one, two, three, et cetera. You know, there's a legacy and a history to this. There are criteria there for a reason. And to just state in a way where it's like, oh, we haven't taken a bump, so we don't understand I don't, I, I don't like that. <laughs> like there's, and I was, oh, yeah, I was getting I totally passionate. Agree. You know, I just, it's, we're journalists for a reason. We're in the media for a reason. We love the sport for a reason. And we have to see fit in the way that we go about making lists of this nature and also reporting on what we're seeing in the ring, ring and interviews that we do. And it's, it can't be a popularity contest or else it's just not real journalism. And and we all come from a real journalistic background. So yes, we've never taken a bump before that, that but it doesn't mean that our words aren't valid and our observations aren't valid. You know, it just, I, I really did feel some type of way about that because I'm like, it, it, where is this? Now we're getting into this conversation about is our work valid because we've never taken bumps before? I, yeah, I was and, like, and I don't know about that. <laughs> I agree, and 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 again, it, it is one of my bigger pet peeves, and and it happens in in all industries. I mean, it, that would be to say that if if uh, you can't sing or play an instrument, you can't recognize what a good song is or or anything like that. I mean, it's right. it's there's there's just no validity uh, uh, to it. Um, you know, that said, I think it's a, it's, it's a perspective. I think it is a perspective worth, uh, uh, considering. Um, I, I think it could be enlightening, uh, on some topics. I mean, if it was again, one of many perspectives that were, uh, brought to the table and they're going to come with their own biases and in some ways, you know, more biases that, that we're going to have, you know, the, the, I, I, I this is maybe a, a little known secret, but for a number of years, uh, there was uh, at least one wrestler who who was very instrumental in putting together uh, the 500. I remember sitting down with him, and 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 he and I would would hammer out uh, a lot of it. Um, and 
it went fine, but yeah, I mean, it's fraught with its own issues, you know, biases. This guy doesn't get along with this guy. This guy is, wants to push this guy that he knows real well, and especially when you get deeper into the list and, and the independents. And that came up even yesterday on on um, a busted open when uh, a bully Ray was really uh, zeroing in on uh, quality of competition. Uh, quality of opponents is one of our criteria. And, and I think that's where he really talked about what do they know about quality uh, of, of wrestling. Mm-hmm. And again, it's sort of like a, a misunderstanding of what we're talking about. And it's not to say that like mm-hmm. this guy's a good worker and this guy's not a good worker. It's essentially where are they slotted in the card, right? And I, and I brought up it's a difference between getting a win over Drew McIntyre or getting a win over Akira Tozawa. And it's not to say that... Mm-hmm. Akira Tozawa isn't a super, you know, uh, a talent in, in his, his own right. right but he might be a better worker. Right. He right. might be a better worker than right. Drew McIntyre. I'm not saying he is, but very often the bo- the lower card guys are better workers than the main eventers. But, right, I think sometimes when you're a little too close to it, and I'm going to go out on a wild limb here. I don't have a serious subscription, so I haven't heard the whole thing yet. I'm going to go out on a wild limb and say it was Bully Ray who said that. But, yes. <laughs> uh, you know, the, to, to say something like that, it, it basically challenges the validity of, all kinds of journalism you know it's it's what's the age-old mm. thing it's, it's happened in sports from the beginning uh, you know uh, uh, boxing writers baseball whatever sport you're writing about yes. of course there are people who are who are qualified to talk about it who never did it i mean you know that's what the independence of the press is all about and of any kind of press in any field uh that's what it's about and so i think sometimes when you're too close to it, yeah, you you sometimes lose that fan perspective because that's when we say from a kayfabe perspective, right? When you break it down, all that really means other than just we're, you know, we're treating it like a sport is we're looking at it from the fan's mm. perspective. If you're watching it at mm. home and you're watching it on TV and you're taking it at face value or you're going to the shows and you're taking it at face value, that's the perspective we're going for. Not, you know, the insider perspective. And that's important. Yeah, I, I think that's everything. It's, it's a really good point. I mean, at the end of the day, that's who we're writing this magazine for. And and, and we know wrestlers and insiders um, read it as well. And, you know, we're, we're super proud of that. Uh, but but yeah, at the end of the day, we're, we're trying to give the viewpoint of of the fan. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's going to be different um, than the wrestler. Uh, l- let's hit on, on some other um, issues. Um, well, again, I think we've dissected uh, the, the top 10 uh, to death. W- one thing uh, that I do think is really interesting, and you know, we've seen a, l- a lot more of this under uh, Kevin's leadership uh, at the magazine, the presence of women in uh, the 500. There's more mm-hmm. than ever this year. Uh, uh, we've got Masha at number 15, the highest a woman uh, has mm-hmm. has ranked this year. Uh, I've got to say, if, I, if I'm being totally honest, I've got mixed feelings about you know seeing so many women uh, show up and... and mm-hmm. um, because I'm not necessarily familiar with all their work, I can't mm-hmm. uh, judge in individual cases. But but Candace, uh, and I don't know where you are on this, but but what is sure. the case to be made uh, why there should be this many women or should there be more women uh, in the 500? I know there's even been a discussion over the years of whether we yeah. we tear down uh, that, that barrier altogether and, and do away with the women's list and just have one 500 with men and women. Yeah, I've never thought harder about that question than I did yesterday because several times, I, excuse me, several times I was specifically asked, 
um, why it wasn't so much that why Masha was higher on the list. It was more so what is the criteria for women getting on the list? Because someone asked me, um, if Masha is on the list, why isn't Bianca on the list? And I was like, well, Bianca so far has only fought women. And I, as far as I understand, that's the reason for women being on this list, their matches include those intergender matches. But then I thought when, when I got more of those questions posed, I thought, well, okay, if we end up adding even more and more women on this list, what will happen to the women's list? Like what, I mean, should that be completely eradicated? And what would that, I mean, I think it would make things even harder because there's so many women that we look at period that go on the women's 250 as it begins with. And we, you know, added more because year after year, it's been getting really difficult because there's so many women who are extraordinary in the ring and doing fantastic work. Now, if you, and I, I don't have a problem seeing women on the 500. I think what might end up happening though, is that if it comes to a point where that question keeps getting posed and, and there's more fans asking for that, should we start thinking about eradicating the women's 250 and what would that mean for what would that mean for the state of women's wrestling for wrestling as a whole like I and I'm wondering if that even I don't think it's crazy to think about but I feel like if that were to happen <laughs> what what would the chatter be I think that would be major if we just had one list and then we had the tag team list and the year end and that was it and there was no women's 250 what would that what would that look like? Because then we really have to start paring down and thinking, okay, we gotta look at which women belong on this list, the criteria. Does that change the criteria? Like what are we what are we gonna see? And I think it's a great question. And and but I personally have no problem seeing women on the five hundred. I think it's fantastic. Masha is number fifteen. I've been following her work for quite some time and I think she's deserving of it extraordinary work. I mean, as far as the indies go, it's really been, um, and it's not to poo-poo anyone else in the independence, but I feel like people like her and, and Billy Starks, I mean, Trisha Dora, it's just, they're doing fantastic, fantastic. And, and they're having matches with all different types of people, no matter the gender. And, and the work rate is, is extraordinary. So I think it's deserving. I think those women do belong on the list. Yeah, it, it kind of cuts both ways. And when we've sort of like brought this question up, um, you know, interestingly, some of the, the people who are most opposed to consolidating the list are women wrestlers. I know I've, I've heard it because the thought is we like having our own thing. And uh, um, it, you know, the reality is if we've got a, a 250 and a 500 and they're all getting combined, um, that's 250 people who are not going to be ranked. Mm. Right. I mean, that's to, the, those people have to come out somewhere are some women are some men. Um, yeah. So it, it's a real issue. Um, you know, should, I, I guess the other question is if, the, if we have a women's list, should the 500 be a men's list? Should it be the PWI mm. men's 500, you know? Right. Because uh, if we're, if we're saying, well, you know, <laughs> it's an interesting question. If we're saying we could, we put women on there as we traditionally have because they are wrestling men and we rank them accordingly, then wouldn't that open us up to saying, so well, how come, on the women's how list, come right? on the women's list should should we now be thinking yeah. about the men who wrestle women a lot and put them on there? And, and you want to be great. 
Yeah, and for years, I mean, even now we're still having, we're still seeing debate about women's wrestling and we're mm -hmm. still seeing people, there are still people saying, well, I'm going to take a bathroom break during the women's match and all of this. And, and it having a women's list is understandable because of the history of women in wrestling, period, and what women have had to go through in wrestling to get to where we are now currently, where there's so much good wrestling and so many wonderful women's wrestlers that it's just hard. It, it's just hard to deny the cultural impact that women in wrestling are having to this day, no matter what promotion. But then, yeah, that, that you're right, Brian. It does bring up that question of if we, if we keep the women's list and why aren't men on the list? But then it, to me, it goes back to the historical fact of wrestling has always been male dominated. So mm -hmm. there are reasons why there is a women's 250. But if there's no more women's 250, then, you know, does that, it's not like we're saying, oh, women's wrestling doesn't matter. But then it's, it sucks because you're thinking, well, a lot of the women that we have on this separate list, they won't, there's not going to be room for them. So we really have to be even more strict about okay, which women deserve to be on this list and why? And then I think that would open a whole can of <laughs> That'd probably make a lot of, of debate on social media that I think we wouldn't even be talking much about who's number one to three. We'd be talking about, well, why is this person, why is this woman on this list and what are they doing? I think that would just bring up so much debate. It would be insane, but that, that's I, that's yeah. TBD. We don't know. <laughs> so. Well, I think, I mean, the one thing I'll say is whether it, continues or not, I mean, it is a major indicator of how far women's wrestling has come, especially in the United States or in North America. I mean, I know in Japan, it's been huge for a long time, but in the United States and, and Canada, just the fact that a list like that even exists and is even a practical idea and done, because I mean, there was a time, and I know Al definitely would remember this like me, I mean, when we were kids watching, if somebody posted the idea of, hey, Let's do a top 200 women's wrestlers. Where would you find them? <laughs> who the hell is going to be on this list? Like you would have to be the most in-touch person in tune to the business to do a top 10. Mm -hmm. To do a top 10 would be like, oh, wow, that's a deep dive. You know what I mean? You'd have like, okay, Moolah, uh, whoever Moolah's wrestling, <laughs> Sensational Sherry, maybe Medusa. Like, you, you know, I mean, Debbie Combs. Like, like to even And even when you had a list, there weren't, aren't a lot of readers that would care or want to look at it because women's yeah. wrestling was so minimized and was such a sideshow and was such an afterthought. Just the fact that the list exists now and that it's b being able to be taken mm -hmm. that seriously is a huge deal. And I think we should never forget that. It has come so far. Yeah, I think um... – and, and I'm happy to see the list grow and grow. It began, I think, as the female 50, and now we're up to 250. Um, I wonder if there'll be a 500 uh, a one year. Um, I, I do think allowing women to be ranked on both lists is fraught with all kinds of, of issues because it, you could also argue that it, it gives some women who are willing to work with men kind of an unfair advantage against mm -hmm. uh, other women who, who don't choose to or for whatever reason don't i mean you could be on on both lists and the women who work with men um you know it even for the criteria it gets tricky so uh you're you're looking at uh let's say uh, amasha are, are are we only evaluating her matches with men and then 
and, and she's a different case, but I think there are other women in the list where this gets to be more of an issue. And if that's the case, um, you know, did they even have enough of them uh, of intergender matches to to meet the activity standards? Are we disqualifying all their their accomplishments in matches with other women? Uh, it's tricky. Mm. You know, I'm not saying I've I've got the the answer to any of it, but I I do think uh, it's tricky. I I for one am a, a, a I support keeping a women's list um, for sure and 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 not completely consolidating the two. I still think we need to figure out how much overlap uh, there can be uh, on a similar topic. You know, and I had somebody ask me about this uh, yesterday. You know, and, and this is nothing we've we've dealt with for a long time is tag team wrestlers like uh, you brought up mm. Rick and, and Scott Steiner being in the top 10 uh, years ago. And there have always been and maybe in some ways now more than in, in many years, you know, we, we had uh, the tag teams headline WrestleMania. Um, these are very, very much top guys uh, in in the business. Uh, but, you know. I, I'm not sure where Jay and Jimmy Uso are on, on the list. I'd have to pull it up or um, yeah. uh, the, the FTR guys. Uh, so I don't I'm, think the Usos are on at all. Or um, Oh, no. I, I don't think Sammy Zayn and Kevin Owens are. And, right. And because I think, yeah. The, yeah. I think the Usos were included on the, when we had the section saying like, hey, here's why some of your favorites didn't make the list. Like, I think I don't even I don't think they're on there. Yeah. Yeah. And again, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah I saw for that years, argument. like it, it was always like, yeah. does Nick Mac, Nick Jackson go first, or does Matt Jackson go first? And inevitably, right. they'd be right <laughs> next to each other. Uh, so that's another thing. I, I'm happy to have the tag team list to, to break some of that uh, apart and, and recognize that it really, mm-hmm. um, it really is its own thing, right? And and uh, happy to give them um, their own universe. Right. Um, w- one other er- thing I wanted to, uh, uh, on on this topic, international wrestling. You know, it's funny again when people go down there, they give their top ten, and they're always you know doing their predicting, and then they hear the top ten, and then you come to Okada or you come to uh, a Vikingo, Vikingo, and yeah. people are like, huh? what? And it it's um and and I heard people ask, oh, are you just doing that to placate you know uh, international fans that kind of thing? Um. Wh- What's the, uh, Brian, I'll, I'll throw it to you, you know, and this is tough. I, I mean, I, I think if we're being 100% honest, we are um, not going to be able to do as thorough, a, a as comprehensive uh, an analysis of the wrestling scene in South Africa as uh, uh, we are in, in the U.S., you know, or Mexico or, or, or Japan. Um, does it, does it? What, what is our responsibility to include international wrestlers and are we getting it right? I think that I think we are getting it right because look, uh, I know sometimes people get confused by that. I think Vikingo's number five and people are going, Oh my God, he's above Cody. He's above this person. He's above that. Here's the thing. Yes. Uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated is an American magazine. It's published in the United States. It's always, it's catering to, you know, readers in English speaking, you know, countries and in the West, it is always going to have to be centered in that way. Nothing wrong with that. You know, if you pick up, there are wrestling magazines that existed in other countries in Japan. But one thing that I know that the magazines always strive to do is it engages with inner, with the prominent stuff going on internationally in so much as it touches and intersects with the American 
wrestling perspective. So like, no, we're, it, we, it never was big about covering wrestling in Europe or Africa, even historically, because there was almost no awareness of that for the American pro wrestling fan. I mean, that's the reality. But when you talk about things like Japan or Mexico, those are international genres that American fans, especially the more hardcore fans, they do have an awareness of. It does touch their world and touch their fandom. And there's plenty of American fans that subscribe to NJPW, or what their streaming service and things like that. So, I mean, like, I think when we when you look at it at that perspective, we're absolutely getting it right. Because, again, and again uh, I mean, look, if, if, if there was a wrestling magazine in Mexico – uh, that was covering, and I know there is, I shouldn't say that, but there is, but that's covering uh, Japan, uh, wrestling there. Vikingo's probably their number one. You, you know what I mean? Because that's that's their perspective. I think we got it right in the sense that when it's an American, uh, when it's uh, a kayfabe point of view, again, this is a guy, he's been the AAA mega champion. That's their equivalent of a world champion for a long time. And now he's, you know, he's got his work visa situation straightened out. So he's wrestling internationally. He's been all over the United States in the past year. That gets him in the top 10. I mean, he's a major international figure and a world champion and a dominant one at that for a long time. So, I mean, like, like, uh, you know, that's again, but it's from an American perspective, but that doesn't mean that everybody on there needs to be WWE, AEW, a prominent uh, wrestler. American scene. So yeah, I think we did get it right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I'll point out I, the, the, the biggest um, oversight that I think uh, omission, I should say um, that, that I'm aware of uh, is we left uh, Tetsuya Naito off the list. And uh, I know Kevin took to, to Twitter X yesterday. I think he, he joked that he was book, booking the first plane to, to Japan to apologize in person um, you know, we're not going to try to justify it. He should have been on the list. I think in some drafts of the list, he was there. Inevitably, this is always, uh, you know, kind of a lot of moving pieces and some guys get put to the side to be put back in later. And sometimes, you know, um, that doesn't happen. So apologies to, to Naito, who, who absolutely uh, belongs uh, somewhere in the 500, um, for sure. Uh, Candice, another thing that I think is really hard to sort of like, nail down how do you do this right is independence right mm -hmm. because there are hundreds if not thousands all, all over the country and you know after the list comes out and i know you heard from some of them inevitably you, you get a lot of indie workers why was i left off why was this guy left off mm -hmm. this guy is the biggest thing in in my region um how <laughs> how is he not on your radar it's tough right, right. i mean the reality is you, you know even though the territory system is gone in big picture. There, there really are territories all over uh, the, uh, the country and all over the yes. world, little groups. And and in, in your little slice of the United States, you, you might have a guy who is a big deal who we may not be aware of. And I think we, we do our best with our contributors um, uh, in, in trying to keep tabs on what the scene is in different parts of the country. Um, you know, I think the reality is that that PWI is based in the Northeast. Most of the three of us, I think, are, are all in the Northeast. A lot of the, the the teams in the Northeast. Does it lead to some biases where where maybe there's more of an awareness about the independent scene uh, in the Northeast? Um, you know, what's your take on on how we are handling the the representation of the independents on the list? Well, one thing that I learned yesterday with 
I didn't catch me off guard, but I was actually cracking up at it, is that there are some workers who think that we know literally every independent worker that's out there on the planet. And I was like, exactly. I was like, there is no way that all of us on this staff is able to go to every independent show. And and even yes, with social media out there combing, I'm, I'm thinking it would be great if we, if we could do that on like an A&R perspective, <laughs> but we just, you know, there's just no way. And that's just to the testament of how many workers there are out there. So whenever I get this question posed now, I just tell them, yes, there is an application that you, as far as I understand, unless it's changed, there's an application that you can put your bid in because for some of us, we might not know who you are. And that's not to say that you're horrible. It's just to say that there's so many independent workers out there now. There's so many independent promotions take some initiative, actually like show us your stuff. Like we are open to that because we very well could be missing someone who we think will be a great candidate on the list and don't try to, you know, don't show off your skills. Let us know what's happening. Let us know where you're having shows, you know, if we're able to go out, we can go out. And it's not, you know, it's, it's something that I love doing is going out to these indie shows and seeing people that I've even heard of, but have never seen in the ring. Like recently I saw Love Doug and I vaguely heard of him before, but it, that was just one example of someone that I was like, okay, great. Like this is someone that I actually enjoy and I love being able to do that. And I think if you're pushing yourself out there in different ways and letting us know that you're, you're existing and you're working, um, it's great because yeah, there's just no literal way we know everyone and and that's all over the world there are independent workers everywhere across the globe like i just recently read about i think it was in vietnam a vietnamese promotion that's doing well and i'm like there it's just impossible so the best thing to do is to let us know you're alive and then i get the questions too of what yeah. can i do yeah, exactly. It's part of the job. And then I also got a question too of um, what do I have to do to make it on the list? And I'm just like, it's the, it's that criteria. Like before I would just say, yeah, just work hard, you know, let us know you exist, but look at the criteria because the criteria is there for a reason. And the more that you're working, it helps. The more that you're putting yourself out there, it helps. The more that you're advocating for yourself definitely helps. But once again, the list is there's 500 people eligible it gets hard. It gets hard because there's way more than 500 people in the world that are in wrestling period. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I think because of social media, in some ways, uh, it, it's obviously become easier to self-promote and get yourself uh, out there. But because of that, I think maybe uh, some wrestlers kind of forget about kind of like the old fashioned sort of elbow grease. Reach out to us. You know, back in the day, Around this time of year, we'd be flooded with with VHS tapes and eight by tens in in um, the PWI offices, um, and th there is something um, to be said for reaching out. It's like if you're trying to land a job, right? I mean, you can you could just like dump your resume on some website, or you could pick up the phone or send that email or, or something, and 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 make sure you're you're connecting with uh, the people. So um, yeah, I think. But again, five hundred, it it it's tough. Um, let's talk about number 500. I don't think anybody's uh, talked about it. I haven't seen it discussed anywhere. I can't remember the last time a WWE guy was, uh, number 500. And, and that is the case this year. Andre Chase from NXT, um, the, the leader of Chase U, uh, uh Brian, are you a fan or are you happy to see him on the list? Well, I mean, 
<laughs> as somebody who, you know, I cover all the shows on a daily basis all the time. And, you know, there's even times, and Andre Chase is not one of these people, where even I are just, I'll look sometimes at NXT and I'll go, is this a real person? <laughs> I'll, I'll look at the result and I hate, I hate to, I don't mean to dismiss anybody. So, I mean, um, anybody that distinguishes themselves there, I think it's a good sign. I mean, I, I think NXT is tough because everybody there is trying to, at the same time, learn. <laughs> and also, while you're learning, you're also trying to get over. So it's not like it's just a wrestling school. You're actually trying to get TV ratings and things. So, I mean, uh, I mean anybody from NXT that even makes the list at all. I think is is an accomplishment. So it, I'm it, not going to knock, a, you know, the 500. Yeah, he was happy to be on it, and 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 he brought up an interesting point. Yeah. That, you know, him him both number one and number 500 being under uh, contract. It's an opportunity <laughs> to have the first ever number one versus 500 <laughs> match, which would be fun. Um, but you know, th th this kind of reminds me of a conversation um, that, that came up yesterday on Bust Open. Tommy Dreamer really expected to be on this list, and I kind of felt bad <laughs> that that he wasn't a bully. Uh, is on the list, but you know, uh, uh, this is uh, something that we, we struggle with all the time, and I always talk about sort of like the uh, uh, the honky tonk man effect or something, and and the reality that you know, if you you go by the criteria, there were you know probably into like the two thousands, you could have made an argument for the honky tonk man being consistently ranked in that he would he kept busy he worked a whole lot and if he was going to be on the show there was a good chance he was winning right and to some extent and and no disrespect to tommy dreamer who is now the uh, digital media champion uh having won at the victory road and i was at that show and it was really cool seeing him uh win that title in front of a hometown crowd um but but it's like it it you know what, what's our responsibility to also, this is something that's coming up in, in other circles in the world of politics, clear the way for a new generation, right? I mean, um, yes, Tommy Dreamer can still get booked a whole lot. And if he's going to get booked, um, there's a good chance that if you if you you pay him and you hire him to be on your show, he's going to win. Does that mean he should make the list? Well, it, it kind of harkens back to something that used to happen a lot in the early years of the 500. I'm especially thinking like back in the 90s. The indie scene back then was very different from what it is yeah. now. Like there's there's much more today of like indie specialists, people that are indie wrestlers. That's what they are. They wrestle on the independent scene and they book themselves and all this. Back then, like the indies were filled, I feel like much more than today, with guys who used to be in the WWF or maybe WCW, guys that used to be at WrestleMania and SummerSlam. And now, you know, they're wrestling in high school gyms and stuff. So, and they, and they would, like Al said, they would usually win and they would get booked constantly on these little shows. So then like you'd open up, Oh, it's the PWI 500, you know, in, in 1996. And you're seeing people on there like Paul Orndorff. The honky tonk man, Tony Atlas, you know, guy, guys where you're looking at it and going like, he's still wrestling. That guy's still around. <laughs> what? Tony, like one thing I mentioned was on the 1991 list, Bobo Brazil and the Sheik were on there for crying out loud. Yeah. The, the, I, I'd venture to say like 90% of wrestling fans didn't even realize they were still wrestling in 1991. So like, mm -hmm. I think Tommy probably is thinking back to those days because Tommy 
is a big wrestling fan. He grew up a fan, yeah. you know, uh, he's, you know, he's reading the magazines and things. So to him, you know, it's a big deal and it, it means a lot, but like you said, Al, it, the, the landscape is a little bit different now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I feel for him. I, I, I it's like, I get it. It's being on the list is, is really cool. Um, but, uh, something's got to give, uh, at, at some point. So, so you're not going to get everybody, uh, on, um, anything else that we wanted to touch on, you know, again, it, it, it's, uh, it's so kind of overwhelming. Um, I'll, you know, why don't I quickly go through the, the, a lot of talk about the top 10. Let's talk about 11 through 20. Uh, so 11 was Sonata, 12, Claudio Castagnoli, 13, Carmelo Hayes, uh, 14, Samoa Joe, 15, Masha, 16, uh, Brian Danielson, 17, Will Ospreay, 18, uh, Alexander Hammerstone, uh, 19, Bobby Lashley, and 20, uh, Trey Miguel. Interesting that um, only one WWE main roster guy uh, in, in that second group of 10 uh, and I think it speaks to WWE being really kind of like top heavy with a few guys. And then there's a big drop to that, that next level. Yeah. yeah and, I, and I, Oh, sorry. Yeah, Brian, yeah. <laughs> Either of you. Well, I was going to say, I think that the, um, you know, we even had that year. Was it, I, I know I get the years mixed up, but I think it was the Kenny Omega year where we were all marveling mm. and going like, wow, I don't think I can remember a time where there were this few WWE people near the top it just almost i think like the top 10 wasn't it like less than half were wwe yeah. or something and um i i think it's not quite that way as it was a couple of years ago but it's definitely there's more it's more spread out these days in the business like i think yeah. in years past let me put it this way in years past when you had whoever was number two right let's say it was impact for a long time you really had to struggle and strive to like try to lift some of these people up so that it wouldn't just be all the WWE guys. Like you had, okay, well, let's give recognition. We got Ring of Honor. We got, you know, Impact. Whereas now you don't really need to do that. I mean, you don't need to work hard to de-emphasize mm -hmm. WWE or make it look like it, the whole business isn't WWE because it isn't. You know, like it feels more legit, like it is more spread out. It is more organic where even the average wrestling fan has an awareness that it's not just WWE, that there's a lot of wrestling out there. And, and you know, it's healthy. It's a healthy reflection of what's going on in the business. Yeah. And I think it's cool that that, you know, the 500 is this kind of snapshot of the wrestling business. And, and one of the things that jumps out at me is that. There's so much talent in AEW, right? I mean, just names. Uh, and, and I think if you probably go into the next 10, you'll have uh, another. I mean, let me just quickly scan 21 through 30. Uh, Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, uh, Adam Page. You know, these are top guys in, in uh, AEW. And, and there's, there's so much uh, over there. And, and WWE, it really is a different approach where you've got – a few guys who are clearly your top, top guys, and then a big drop to that, that next level. And that can become an issue with WWE sometimes. That's why you see Nakamura, mm -hmm. you know, headlining against uh, a Seth Rollins because there is this kind of like dearth of, of um, top guy challengers. Um, anyhow, I, 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 head on over to PWI-online.com. We can't do justice here in, in an hour to the whole list, um, but uh, check it out. Uh, again, dig in, tons of analysis. Um, biggest thing we do 
every year and uh, super proud of it. Proud to be a part of it for another year. Uh, before we run, guys, you know, in some ways, I feel like I'm, I'm burying the lead a little bit here in that um, WWE is is no longer controlled by the McMahons. <laughs> you know, as of uh, mm. a couple of days ago, you know, the, the merger became uh, official. WWE now part of the, the TKO umbrella, uh, essentially a merger with UFC. Um, and it is now official. Vince McMahon is um, back in a, a position of power uh, officially. Uh, talk of uh, some downsizing coming relatively soon. Maybe by the time you're, you're listening uh, to this um, and some, some pretty significant downsizing at WWE, you know, I imagine a lot of that's going to be on the, the administrative office side, but I, I imagine some uh, talent cuts are coming uh, as well. Um, you know, Candice, how, how do you feel about this whole thing? Is, is this um, potentially good news? Is this bad news? Is the reality that for most fans, not much is going to change? Yeah, I, I think when it comes to the cuts, um, it's sad and it's unfortunate. However, it, usually when a merger takes place, cuts happen. So I personally am not surprised to hear of this news. And, and it was it just seems like it was inevitably going to happen. And I just wish everyone luck because after reading that note uh, that was posed on social media about from uh, Nick Khan about you know, the workers working from home and, and all that stuff as they make their decisions. It's just, it's, it, it hurts. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping for all the best for all of them. In terms of the merger itself, I am particularly excited. Um, you can't please everyone. So I know with this merger, there's going to be decisions made that fans are not going to be happy about and potentially, you know, some wrestlers might not be happy about. Um, but I, I've been following the news very uh, heavily. I hear of some talks about like a mega TKO weekend, which I think is brilliant because one of the first things that I thought about about when, you know, having WWE and UFC coming together, what's going to happen with the PLEs on the WWE side and then the UFC, their fights yeah. that they have on Saturday. So the buzz that I'm hearing is that they're just going to have these mega weekends where they have UFC fights on Saturday, the PLEs go on Sunday, and then they have some really cool things happening on Friday. So I'm excited about that. I think it's great. I think um, there's going to be a lot of really cool things that we're going to start seeing in terms of WWE filtering into the mainstream. I mean, for instance, I'm seeing uh, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of activity with New York Fashion Week. We have wrestlers like I believe Maxine Dupree walked on the runway. We saw Triple H in the audience like rooting for her. I think we're going to see more things like that, which is really cool. And I feel like we're definitely jumping into a new era we're, we're going to have some dream matches. We're going to see more uh, movie appearances. We're going to see things with fashion, things with television. I'm all for it. So as far as the creative decisions go, I hear Vince is still working in the back. So it is what it is. But I, I'm really excited for the future. I think that we're going to see some really cool things. And it's only going to get bigger for them as they uh, go off into this new era merged with UFC. So I like yeah, it. I, I like it. I, I'm, you know, I don't even know if cautiously optimistic is is the word, um, but I think there's all kinds of different manifestations that um, we haven't even really thought about it on, you know, some of it has been discussed already, the potential for um, UFC fighters on, on kind of the downside of their career to maybe get new life in, in WWE. I think like you've got to 
really pick and choose who those guys are, you know, and, and they'd have, look, I mean, if you'd have an opportunity to put Conor McGregor at WrestleMania, you do it. I don't know how much a, you know, somebody else, a, a Daniel Cormier or a, a Michael Bisping or something like that. I don't know how much that would mean, um, you know, so I, I don't know that there are that many. I think the reality is, by and large, WWE stars are bigger stars than UFC stars. And you mm. you can't do that crossover um, in in the other direction. You know, just remember CM Punk. I mean, are, are there you know, Brock Lesnar? I mean, does this maybe open the door? For, for Brock or, or, or Rhonda, um, I, I think those doors were always open to begin with. I think that there is, um, you know, something of, of a learning curve here about how they're going to work together. I mean, there, there was some statement put out by some TKO exec uh, saying, you know, our goal is for every WWE fan to be a UFC fan and every UFC fan to be a WWE mm -hmm. fan. And then Dana White comes out the next day and he says, that's ridiculous. And, and he really shut it down. And I think UFC is is a little cautious of being affiliated too closely mm -hmm. with that fake wrestling stuff. Mm -hmm. right, Brian? Well, it's like I said something how, you know, one thing I have so many thoughts on this. I don't know where to begin. I, want, I know we've been talking a long time, but it's like one of my knee jerk reactions was it's so interesting to me how for 40 years we've heard over and over and over again this is not sports this is entertainment this is entertainment mm -hmm. we're not we're competing with entertainment and now all they're talking about with WWE is combat sports it's where yeah. the combat sports space <laughs> it's combat sports like it's such a weird marketing 180 and yeah you know what um this is like if the Harlem Globetrotters merged with the NBA <laughs> yeah and people oh, wow. are like oh yeah. yes we're all basketball players you know um, it's weird, and I think that Dana White, yeah, I get the sense, which I didn't think was going to happen, because I always thought him and Vince were like, I thought he was like, like Vince was like his Obi-Wan Kenobi or something, but I get the sense that he is kind of chafing against this a little bit. I, I don't know if he's super thrilled. Um, he's definitely an alpha guy the way Vince is, and I don't know how thrilled he is about now we're sharing, you know, now I'm buddies with the, like you said, the fake wrestlers. And um, I, yeah, I don't know. I think there's definitely probably more enthusiasm on the Vince side of things, but I see people that mm. are, you know, cause I recently, I saw something yesterday where that I, I guess it's true that Vince somehow now has some type of veto power over yeah. UFC decisions because That's of crazy. his position in TKO. Now, if I'm Dana White, I'm, there's a few holes in the walls in my house when I read something <laughs> like that after that. So, I mean, um, I think some people are being somewhat dense on this when I see people on social media that are like, well, I don't I don't see a difference. You know, Vince is still going to be in charge. And I'm like, no, mm -hmm. it's it, not at all. Like, no. you know, you have. Yes, he has power. Yes, he's still running WWE. Uh, yes. And the same way Dana White is, White is running their UFC, but he's not the owner. You know, he's the gen he's the general manager now. He has a boss. He has a boss for the first time since his dad. You know, he has somebody that he has to answer to. He has somebody that's going to be doing his performance reviews. You know, that's something that is astronomically uh, different. And I have to say, I can't not say this. I know, Candace, you touched on it already, but this is important to me because I worked there and I was in this position. I was, I, I do remember those days where I remember, uh, I think it was 2001 or two, where it was the combination of the failure of the XFL 
and the failure of the restaurant in Times Square at the same time. It was something like wow. a $40 million loss. And it was like, we called it like Black Friday or whatever day of the week it was because they, they literally, we didn't have Zoom back then. We didn't have, you know, remote work, but they, there was over the loudspeaker, everybody stay at your desk, over the PA, sit at your desk, do not leave your work area until we give you the all clear. And it was because they were coming around with the hand trucks and the boxes and the guys from facilities and they did not want people going, yes, they didn't want people going postal, you know, and you're sitting there at your desk going like, we're all, and we're looking at each other like, is it you? Is it me? What's happening? And I have to say, my my director, I don't want to go too far into the weeds on this, was a, a beautiful person who saved almost all of our jobs. He found a way to do it in our department. The other departments were not as lucky. So a day like today, I'm saying today, the, the day we're recording this is a nightmare. For real people who have mm. real jobs and families. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm sure. Like it, it brings back some, it, some yeah. memories. Yeah. And it happens in a week when you've got $29 million in exec bonuses that went out. Yeah. Uh, and they're talking about we need to shave off 50 to a mil- $100 million to save money with WWE. That was the number given out. And they just gave out $29 million in bonuses. Like yep, maybe think, if uh, you didn't yeah. give Nick Khan $12 million and Kevin, you got, yeah. right. Kevin Dunn $7 million, Triple H $5 million. Maybe if you didn't do that, right. maybe, maybe save some of those jobs or, or something. It's just, it takes a lot of a nerve. And then the guy sending the email out is Nick Khan, the guy that got the $15 million mm-hmm. bonus. I mean, yeah. You know, it, it's a it's I understand the need for some of it because you got redundancies on the corporate side. I get it. There's departments like accounting that are hit hard, HR, travel, uh, you know, consumer products and things that where there's going to be a lot of overlap between the companies. I'm not living in a fantasy world. I know that. But I also certainly know that there is a more humane way to go about it than the way they're going about it. So it just yes. it has to be said. Yeah, no, I absolutely. Agree. I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as much, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry you had to go through that part. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. That was, I, I got a little no, it's, there. It's, <laughs> real. it's hard to fathom for a lot of people that have never been in that position. But yeah, as much as I'm excited about this becoming a reality in terms of the merger and the possibilities, I also am I'm heartbroken for a lot of people that are going to lose their jobs, especially in this economic state that this country is in. So I really pray that everyone just gets through it, you know, the best that they can, but it, it takes time and yeah, it, it's, it sucks. It really does. Yeah. I mean, I think there's going to be good and there's going to be bad. Um, you know, I hope the good outweighs the bad. I, 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 I don't know how much I believe that that's going to happen, you know, and, and, just from the fans perspective and and the other day, I mean, that, that is um, I think as a wrestling magazine, as we were talking about earlier, trying to give the perspective of of fans, that is the priority. Um, You know, I do worry. I mean, do we, do we move into $80 WWE pay-per-views every month and Mm -hmm. um, you know, all kinds of different ways uh, of fleecing their fans on the flip side? I mean, are, are there, you know, potential benefits for WWE? I suppose. I, I mean, I don't know that that I can pinpoint them that that easily. Um, you know, I'm a UFC fan too. So, um, but but I, it, it, 
you know, when I see UFC's business model and look, UFC fleeces its fans. There's no two ways about it. You know, like um, I, I still haven't gone to a, a UFC show in Madison Square Garden since they've been legalized years ago because, you know, the the the, the buy-in price just to get through the door is, know. you know, $300 or something like that, what? you know. Yeah, I mean it's it it is it's a it's absurd. How well, that's they, become they a problem across the board in sports and entertainment. As a parent, I yeah. hate it because like I want my kids to have these experiences that I had, and I'm like, yes. yeah, you know, last summer, I, I this season, I wanted to take my kids to a Yankee game. My son's never been; he's six years old. He's never been to a ball game. And I was like, uh, maybe not. Maybe yeah. I'll wait till I hit the lotto or something. Like, and it's, and it's insane. Um, and WWE, you know, to, to their credit, are a lot more reasonably priced. You could still go to a WWE show if you don't mind sitting in the nosebleeds mm -hmm. for, you this know, 35, true. 40 bucks. Or depending on the mm -hmm. venue, like I, I went to, you know, I went to White Plains, Westchester County Civic Center, very affordable seats on the floor, you know, it yeah. wasn't the garden. So what? Yeah, yeah, it's doable. And, and UFC, yeah. uh, you know, so, some shows, I mean, a, a garden show is going to be more than anywhere else. But um, yeah, and now the pay-per-views, I, I think they're like up to like 80 bucks on top of yeah. what you've got to pay Ooh. to subscribe to ESPN. And I think, uh, you know, Nikon and Vince McMahon see that and they just start kind of watering at the mouth like, oh, we'd, we'd love that. And and I get it. I mean, they're trying to make money, but mm -hmm. I don't know if, if it's what's best for fans. So uh we'll see we'll be monitoring it uh, for sure as uh uh time goes on here uh all right let's wrap this up guys thanks so much uh, uh candace you want to give like uh, any plugs uh, social work and people find you and your work i know you're uh, a regular contributor to busted open as well yeah absolutely um you can follow me on twitter at candace cordelia you can also follow me on instagram that girl candace 16 there's always fun things coming out and as uh wrestlemania <laughs> as we're talking about the list and all these things wrestlemania will be right around the corner i'm i'm sure between now and then there's going to be so much in store in terms of exclusive content so just keep a watch out and yeah subscribe go to pwy-online.com are you going to uh, grand slam you know what i don't think i am this year i went last year and I loved it. This year, it pains me to say I don't think I'm as excited about. I, yeah. I think Can, it's the Candace, they need you there. They got a lot of empty seats. You got to go. You got, <laughs> you know, they, they need your help there. <laughs> Seven thousand tickets distributed. Crazy. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's I'll I'll unbelievable. I like the show, but it, it hurts me to say because I feel like there's such from last year to this year in terms of just my enthusiasm. I don't know. There are certain things I love of what they're doing, but for Grand Slam, I'm just, I don't know. I'm, yeah, I'm that, very that first show, that. that first show was like a WrestleMania. I sure, was there. Yeah. Omega. It, was. Omega. it was awesome. It was, it yeah. was. I was there with my son. It was a special, special night. I think it was the biggest crowd in New York City for non-WWE wrestling since, I believe, the 1950s. Like, yeah. it, was, it was a huge wow. deal. Yeah, but it doesn't feel that way. You're right. You're right. No, no, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I heard it was yeah, in that neighborhood of like six thousand seats sold so far, and um, uh, yeah, I mean, it speaks to you know, AW. So we could talk another hour about AW, but it's crazy because you think about that. Um, I've heard uh, they the started paradox talking. of Wembley Stadium and right. um, you know Grand Slam. I mean, is this is this company doing well or not? There were crowd shots from their most recent TV tapings, which were astonishing. It just yeah, looked yeah, like it looked like it was like the middle of the afternoon when people are like yep. starting to like trickle in. And I that was, was shocked. Yeah. Exactly. 
exactly. heard they're doing two for he, ones for no joke. I, I heard what? they're starting to do two for ones for Grand Slam to try to help fill it up. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Wild. Yeah. Uh, and Brian, uh, uh, where can people follow you, your work, a uh, number of books uh, out available now and more on the way? Yes. So Blood and Fire, my biography of the Sheik is still available. It's been out for over a year now. So it's out there. And I know a lot of people have it. But for those that don't, um, you can get it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or wherever you find books. And my my newest book, which is in the works, Irresistible Force, The Life and Times of Gorilla Monsoon, hard at work. I just talked to Gorilla's daughter this week, Valerie. She's a total sweetheart. It's been so helpful. Um, I'm really, I really am excited about writing this book. And I know, I think a lot of people are going to love it. And there's my podcast, Shut Up and Wrestle, suawpod.com or get it wherever you get podcasts. It is an old school wrestling podcast and I have different guests every week. I just did a Terry Funk tribute not long ago. And, and it's, uh, if you're an old school wrestling fan, it's good conversation. You'll enjoy it. Absolutely. All right, guys. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, talking about the 500 is always fun. Uh, we'll be doing it again in a year from now. And Brian, I'm sure we'll be talking uh, before that. Uh, thanks so much, guys. And uh, we'll see everybody soon.